How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, Kevin McCarthy's quest to be speaker. Number two, the latest on government funding. And number three, the race to be the next new Democrat coalition chair. All right, Jake, let's get into it. All eyes are on Kevin McCarthy. Can he? Will he? How does he get to the magical 218 on January 3rd? Uh, and his quest to be speaker continues uh, and, and pathway uncertain at this point. Yeah. So the the reason we're going back at this to this morning, um, we will be writing a lot about this because it matters a huge amount vis a vis what happens uh, next Congress and, um, uh, f- you know, for the next two years. Um. McCarthy went to El Paso yesterday um, and said that he he called on uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the the Secretary of Homeland Security, to resign. Um, Mayorkas isn't particularly I can't imagine he's particularly interested in McCarthy's suggestions on what he should do with his career. But he said, "Really, you don't think he's saying, hey, Kevin, what do you think? I think I think I think Mayorkas is like, cool. Nice, interesting to know or something like that. Um, No, but I do. But then McCarthy said if he doesn't resign, uh, Republicans will begin investigating and could could impeach Mayorkas. Now, Mayorkas has been uh, in the sights of McCarthy for a while. McCarthy has suggested that um, he could impeach him in the past. But um, when I traveled with McCarthy last month, beginning of October, he said no one in the Biden administration is, has done anything to um, uh, that 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 rises to the level of impeachment. So this is a very different, um, a very different tack McCarthy is taking. So at the same time, there are now six Republicans: Matt Gates, Bob Good, uh, Ralph Norman, Matt Rosendale, Andy Biggs, and Ken Buck. Um, who have suggested they will not vote for McCarthy. That's six. That's a, like a, that's a bunch. More than he can have to win. <laughs> uh, he needs, right. He, if they, if this is at 222, if the House is at 222, he could lose four. And Anna, I uh, was not good at math at GW, which had a bad, <laughs> a bad loss last night at, at uh, the Smith Center. But I do know that six is more than four. That is something I did learn at GW. So, um, you know, this is a um, a tricky situation for him, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of work to do between now and January third, when um, 
when uh, uh, the floor vote will be for speaker. Yeah, it's pretty uh, amazing, right? I mean, when you look at the pressure that McCarthy is under compared to what everyone expected, uh, maybe not the the slam dunk night that McCarthy had predicted, but I don't know that anybody, if you put them on truth serum, thought that House Republicans would only have four votes, uh, uh, you know, in in the majority, and and that just kind of underscores this is the first of what is going to be an incredibly difficult potential speakership here, right? Because you can't lose, you know, more than four, as you say, you know, math is tough, but that, that's that's a pretty easy number to look to, to get anything done. Now he's got six weeks, he's got a lot of tools, he can cut deals, he's obviously doing that, but there's a lot of uncertainty, even among folks that want McCarthy, Jake, to be speaker, right? They're trying to figure out the math. Um, and so far, it's, it's unclear you know, how that actually happens. And I think as we often say, the longer these things are out there, right, the oftentimes harder they get. It will be interesting to see if McCarthy can thread the needle like Speaker Nancy Pelosi was able to do in 2018 when there was a quite a bit of consternation and folks who were, uh, you know, upset and didn't want her to necessarily continue leading Democrats. She kind of just stayed the course and was able to cut some deals and get people on board. So here's what I would say. McCarthy is talking to the Freedom Caucus right now, actively negotiating. I've said this in the past, and I believe it to be true now as much as ever. Um, the real risk for McCarthy is that um, this these negotiations just don't matter because they just don't want him to be speaker. That's the real risk because he could give them whatever they want, right? Like he can't make himself a different dude. But he could give them whatever they want. Um, and that will have to be that is something that um, that's something they'll have to wrestle with over the next couple of weeks. I mean, a lot of these people, whether they'll say it or not, just don't want McCarthy to be speaker. They don't have another alternative. There's no one else in their in, in McCarthy world's view that can get to 218. But here's what's interesting. Um, they are they say right now they are going to go to the floor no matter what. We'll have to see. There's some doubt about that in the in the in the conference about whether they'd go to the the floor without 218. Um, but we'll have to see because uh, and this will be something that we write a ton about. Lame ducks coming up. McCarthy will have to be very careful on how he how he handles that. Um, and and then we go to the floor on January 3rd for what McCarthy allies are already saying is going to be a messy floor vote. It is going to be something to watch indeed, and certainly going to the floor without 218, that would be very risky business, to say the least, is your first move as the potential next uh, speaker. All right, let's run to the number two story of the morning for us. A very interesting look at Democrats starting to draft the fiscal year 2023 spending bills as the December 16th deadline looms. Uh, interesting in so much that there is no bipartisan agreement on a top line figure for overall spending. So uh, this is kind of a, a one party negotiation at this time. Yeah, the, the thing that stuck out to me here and, and Brez wrote this item is that he said um, he believes that, that they can go um, the Republic that the House could go, the Senate could go and through Christmas here um, to get government funding uh, wrapped up. Remember, we are like, I don't know how many days, 23 days 
until both my birthday and government funding running out, <laughs> December 16th. Not that you're keeping track. You know, you don't have a list or anything. Well, when you turn when you for. turn 25 every year, you got to keep track. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I, they they're nowhere right now. And the big the big risk, and we kind of projected this a couple months ago, is that they have to wait until they see what happens in Georgia because they're not going to be able to do anything until they have a good a good sense of what um about the georgia runoff the georgia runoff is um early december um so it really will give them you know left like left fewer than 10 days to get this all wrapped up which is really really dangerous really risky all right i want to shift to the number three story of the, my, I, of the morning. Uh, our very own Max Cohen has two great items this morning. Uh, first, we'll just talk briefly. The new Democrat coalition feels set for a possible turn in the spotlight during the next Congress. Max reports um, looking at the two contenders to lead the moderate caucus, Representatives Annie Custer, Democrat from New Hampshire, and Scott Peters, the Democrat from California, say that they are looking to throw their weight around in 2023. What say you, Jake? Yeah, I actually... Listen, I'm in. I'm maybe not the minority, but I think that actually um, this is a uh, the new Democrat coalition and other moderates in the House and Senate. If they band together, will be a, a very powerful bunch. Um, for the first time in a long time, conservatives are not in the driver's seat. They're overplaying their hand now. When we get into the new Congress, um, uh, the center of the of the of the Republican conference and the center of the Democratic conf- uh, caucus are going to be powerful. That's because there's a narrow majority. Um, uh, well, and and by the way, a new leadership in the House uh, of Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Catherine Clark and Pete Aguilar. So um, I think the caucuses like the New Democrat Coalition, the Tuesday group, to the extent it still exists in the House Republican Conference. These are very powerful, very big coalitions that could impact lawmaking. That's not something we've seen. We've seen 240-person Republican conferences for a long time, 230-people Republican conferences, where conservatives had a lot of metal. They don't this time. All right. One other thing I want to note here uh, that Max also writes in this morning's newsletter, I really encourage you to take a look here, but he has got an interview with uh, the incoming chair of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. That's Representative James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, looking at his priorities as chair. Uh, Really an interesting look because obviously during um, the, the Democratic leadership, Republicans you know, didn't comply with a lot of subpoenas around January 6th, uh, you know, tried to push back in the Trump era on trying to provide documents. And now you have a a Republican who's looking to really investigate uh, President Joe Biden's family dealings, uh, among a a bunch of other things. What stuck out to you there? There's just a there's a ton of interesting nuggets that I really encourage everybody to read through. Yeah, James Comer is going to be the chair of the uh, Oversight Committee. It'll be interesting to see if Democrats just ignore his subpoenas like Republicans ignore Democrats. Um, That's kind of what Comer is going to grapple with. He's trying to, in his view, um, inject some, uh, not honor, but uh, uh, he's trying to remake the Oversight Committee. First thing they said they'd do is go go after Hunter Biden. So um, we'll have to see how that, that all turns out. Remember, there is some very hefty skepticism in the House Republican conference about the political wisdom of too much investigations. That will be another kind of undertone of this next Congress. 
All right, with that, thanks so much for listening. Just a, rem- a reminder, this is our last podcast of the week. We are going to be off Thursday and Friday uh, with our families and celebrating Thanksgiving and back on Monday for the long haul through the end of the year. Also, I'm going to be sitting down uh, for a virtual conversation with Senator Roy Blunt less than a week from today. We're going to talk about the future of democracy, voting rights, much more as he leaves uh, public service. He's had a long career, a ton to talk about. Really looking forward to that. That's Tuesday, November 29th at 9 a.m. You can go to our events hub at punchable.news and sign up for that conversation. Also, please uh, go there and sign up for our free morning newsletter. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a safe and happy holiday.